and that in light of that love shown in his laying his life down for us in his death, he commanded us to love one another as he has loved us, to lay our lives down for one another as he laid his life down for us. As we come to our final passage in John 15, we are going to discover a crucial reason that Jesus stresses the need for the disciples to love one another. I invite you to turn to John 15, and we will see in this passage that the disciples will need to band together in love because they will be ministering in a world that hates them. Our text is John 15, verses 18 through 27. Jesus says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word which is that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great love you have shown us in Jesus laying his life down for us. We thank you for the way that love manifests here at PBC and our love for one another. I pray you would continue to strengthen our bonds and I ask that you would strengthen our hearts to be your witnesses in a world that hates Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have in our passage three truths that the disciples needed to understand about ministry in the world that hates Jesus. There are all kinds of false Jesuses that the world will accept, but the true biblical Jesus the world hates. And so the eleven needed to be prepared to represent him in a world that hates him. And we see Jesus' disciples today also in the same way, we need to understand these truths as we seek to obey Christ's call to be his witnesses in a world that hates him. The first truth that Jesus explains to his disciples about ministry in a world that hates Jesus is that the world hates the disciples of Jesus because it hates Jesus. Verses 18 through 20. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. The construction of this conditional statement in the original language actually assumes the certainty that it will happen. If the world hates you, and it will, what you need to know is that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus is preparing the disciples for the certainty that the world will respond to them in hatred, will respond to their ministry in that way. He wants them to understand why that's happening. He doesn't want them to be caught off guard by it or surprised by it when they're met with hatred as representatives of Jesus in the world. The disciples need to know that a hateful and hostile response from the world to their ministry is not a sign that they are doing something wrong. It could be easy for the disciples to wonder if they're doing something wrong in their ministry when the world is responding to them with hatred. But in fact, rejection by the world is actually a sign that their ministry is reflective of Jesus. Jesus' ministry was perfect. It was good. It was pure. It was righteous. It was gracious. He was full of grace and truth. Jesus' ministry was perfect in the world. And yet the world hated it. The world hated him. At this point, the disciples have yet to see the full expression of that hatred of the world toward Jesus. But it's hours away. Jesus will be arrested. He will undergo unjust trials. He will be mocked. He will be beaten and scourged. And this will all culminate in a cruel, bloody death on the cross. He will be treated like the vilest of criminals in the world. The disciples would be able to look back on all the hatred that they had witnessed toward Jesus, building up over the course of his ministry and leading all the way to his crucifixion. And they needed to make the connection that the world hated Jesus before it hated them. They needed to know that a hateful response from the world to their ministry was not an indicator They were doing something wrong, but a sign that they were reflecting in their lives and in their teaching the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples also needed to know that they would be hated because Jesus had chosen them out of the world to be holy, to be set apart from the world and to be conformed to his likeness. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Jesus draws a line. He indicates there are two kinds of people. There are those who are of the world, and there are those who he's chosen out of the world. And he explains that those who are of the world love their own, but those he's chosen out of the world and 
set apart to be holy, to be holy in his likeness. They will be hated by the world. He says explicitly, because of this, the world hates you. He had just spoken of choosing them back in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. He had chosen them to be fruitful for the glory of the Father. And in so doing, he had called them out of an unfruitful world. Jesus had chosen them from out of the world and called them into a kingdom that is not of this world. He called them into the kingdom of heaven, the the value system of which is entirely different than the values of this world. Jesus' kingdom platform was laid out in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. I invite you to turn there with me. We can observe there the marks of those who have been chosen out of the world and are made citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5 and verse 3, we, we see several blessings that Jesus speaks about these ones he sets apart, calls into his kingdom. Verse 3, there are the poor in spirit, those who are humble and recognize their spiritual poverty. In verse 4, there are those who mourn, and specifically that is a mourning over their sin. They are contrite and repentant regarding their sin. They mourn over it. Verse 5, there are the meek. Verse 6, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 7, the most merciful. Verse 8, the pure in heart. Verse 9, the peacemakers. And because all of these qualities mark their lives and set them apart from the world, the world hates them and persecutes them. Verses 10 through 12, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Looking back at John 15, we see that the disciples shouldn't be surprised when their ministry is met with hatred from the world as they consider, again, verse 18, the world hated Jesus before it hated them. They should also not be surprised by the world's hatred of them as they consider, verse 19, that Jesus had chosen them out of the world to be citizens of a kingdom that is not of this world. In fact, the citizens of this kingdom are committed to values and ways that are directly opposed to the values of the world, and so the world will hate them. Now in verse 20, Jesus drives home why the disciples should not be surprised when they are met with hatred from the world. He says, remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, 
they will keep yours also. The word that Jesus refers to here was something that he had said back in the upper room. Remember that blessed display of Jesus' loving, humble service to his disciples and washing their feet while they're all too concerned about who's the greatest, that anyone would want to do something like that. And so Jesus does it. John 13, verses 12 through 17. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Here it is. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The followers of Jesus need to follow his example. That's what followers do. They follow the master. They learn of his ways and they imitate his ways. Well, the followers of Jesus also needed to know that as they imitate what he did and they proclaim what he taught, they can count on having the same kind of reception that he did. Jesus had been persecuted by the world. Many had superficial kinds of interests in him and gathered around him, but the more that they got to know him, the more hostile they grew. And yet the disciples, minus Judas, had been an exception to that trend. And there's a bit of hope given here that there will be some ministry fruitfulness when he says, if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Just as God had preserved a remnant of those trusting in him in Israel throughout the Old Testament, so in the church age there would be a minority of those chosen out of the world that would keep his word. The response would largely be rejection. Most would reject the narrow way but some would repent and believe in response to the ministry of the disciples. Because their ministry is to reflect Jesus' life and teaching, they can expect a similar kind of response as he received to his ministry. The world will hate them, but those chosen out of the world by Jesus will receive and keep their teaching. The same Reality is true for us who are followers of Jesus today. Don't be surprised that the world hates you. It hated your Savior, crucified your Savior. And your Savior chose you out of the world to reflect Him. He made you a citizen of a kingdom that is not of this world with a completely different set of values, the values of your King. If they persecuted Him, they will persecute you. Because you represent him. You bear fruit that has his flavor, the flavor of Christ. And you speak his words. And what a blessing it is to know that there are some who will receive your ministry of the gospel. You who are trusting in Christ, 
you and I are, are one of those ourselves. Those whom hardness of heart was conquered by grace. Those who keep his word. Thanks be to God. But by and large, we who are disciples of Jesus are going to be met with the response of hatred from the world. And we need to be prepared for that. They will hate us because of the one that we reflect. Don't be surprised when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of your association with Jesus. The world's hatred is not a sign that you are doing something wrong, but a sign that you're reflecting Jesus, whom the world has hated. So Jesus explained first to the disciples that the world hates the disciples of Jesus because it hated Jesus. The second truth that the disciples needed to understand about ministering in a world that hates Jesus is that the world hates Jesus because Jesus reveals his Father. Look back at John 15, picking up in verse 21. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my Father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. I want you to look with me at John chapter 1, the beginning of John's gospel. And John tells us there, at the very beginning, that Jesus was sent by his Father into the world in order to reveal the Father to the world. John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There is a Word that was with God in the beginning. And yet, that word itself was God. The divine word. And then you come down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. The divine word took on human flesh and dwelt among us. That word is the only begotten Son of God. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained Him. Jesus came to explain His Father, to 
reveal his father, whom no one had seen at any time. This is why Jesus responded to Philip's request back in John 14, when Philip asked him, show us the father. And Jesus says, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? And now looking back at John 15, verse 21, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Jesus says that the disciples will suffer persecution in his name because of their association with him. And the world will respond to them in this way because they don't know the one who sent him. They don't know Jesus' father. What we are going to see here is that the world's hatred for Jesus is acutely manifest in the responses of the Jewish religious leaders to Jesus. We see the world's rejection of Christ manifest in the Jewish religious leaders' rejection of Him. These people thought they knew God. Look with me at John chapter 8. And we'll see this very thing revealed. Beginning in verse 41. Jesus says to them, You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Jesus tells them outright, that they were not of God, that God was not their father. Moreover, he tells them their father is actually the devil. The Jewish religious leaders thought themselves to be children of God, but they were actually children of the devil. And Paul describes the devil as the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4. 4. The Jewish religious leaders were of the devil in the devil's world system. And this reality was exposed by Jesus' coming. So looking back at John 15, we see how Jesus exposed this in them. Picking up in verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. 
but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. Jesus talks about what he had spoken in verse 22, his teaching, his words. And then in verse 24, he talks about his works, what he had done among them. Works which no one else did. Works which marked him out uniquely as the Son of God and as the Messiah. By his words and by his works, the only begotten God had explained his Father. Jesus had revealed his Father. And the response of the religious leaders was they desired to destroy him. They thought God was their Father. They thought they knew God. But when the Father was revealed to them in the Son, they showed in their hatred for the Son that they hated the Father who sent him. Their hatred of the Son revealed their hatred of the Father. Their hatred of God. Jesus' words and his works were ultimately, he said, the words and the works of his Father. John 7.16, speaking of his words, he said, My teaching is not mine, but him who sent me. And in John 12.49, he said, For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. And then in reference to his works, John 5.19, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. And John 10.37 and 38, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. The Jewish religious leaders had fabricated their own conception of God that suited themselves. And then they purported this false God to be the biblical God. But when the true God was standing right in front of them, doing His glorious works, speaking His glorious truth, their wickedness was exposed. And they hated Him. They showed themselves to be part of the world, just like every other sinner. They were members of a wicked spiritual world system that is opposed to God. And James speaks of this world system when he says in James 4.4 4, that whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, when Jesus says that these religious leaders would not have had sin if Jesus had not come to them and spoken to them and done his works before them. Jesus is not talking here about sin in general, as though they would have no sin at all. Mankind has clearly been pervaded with sin before Jesus came. And Jesus is speaking of a specific sin committed in response to his incarnate ministry. The complete rejection of the full revelation of God manifest in the incarnate Son. 
Look with me at John 3, verses 19 and 20. This speaks of Jesus being the light that came into the world and exposed the dark and evil deeds of men. John 3, verse 19. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil already. Jesus, as the light, came into the world and exposed their evil cloaked in darkness. And then verse 20. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Because Jesus, as the light, exposed their evil deeds, they hated him. They wanted to destroy him because the light of his life and his teaching exposed their sin. His coming revealed that they actually hated God. And they responded to the exposure of their sin with an even greater sin in rejecting him. The proper response is to repent and to believe. But they hated him. MacArthur has described it as sin in man having reached its apex in the rejection of Jesus. In Hebrews 1.3, Jesus is described as the exact representation of his father's nature. So when they hated and rejected Jesus, the disciples needed to understand that they were revealing that they hated and rejected his father. The pure light of the father had shone forth in the world in his son and exposed the darkness of men's hearts. And so they hated the son and his father. Looking back at John 15, verse 25, as he had come with his words and his works, their response was that they hated him without a cause. It was unjustifiable how they had responded to him. Jesus came proclaiming and doing what was good. And they loved darkness, loved their sin, hated his goodness. And in doing so, they were actually fulfilling what had been foretold of them in the Old Testament. John points here to Psalm 69. We can, can turn there and see this reference. This is a Psalm of David. And it's looked to actually in the New Testament multiple times as an anticipation of the suffering of Jesus, who is the greater David, the Davidic king, the Messiah. The persecution of David foreshadows the persecution of Jesus. In Psalm 69, it's in verse 4. It says, Those who hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. Those who would destroy me are powerful, being wrongfully my enemies. What I did not steal, 
I then have to restore. Jesus was hated. Though he did nothing wrong, Jesus came preaching good news of salvation. And he was wrongfully met with enmity. Jesus was innocent, but he would be treated like a criminal. He showed himself to be the Son of God and Messiah, revealing his Father in his words and in his works. And as the Scripture anticipated, they hated him without a cause. They had no excuse, no cause or justification for seeing and hating Jesus and his Father, whom he had revealed. Jesus helps the disciples to see that this is part of his plan. This hatred response is not catching Jesus by surprise. It is actually fulfilling what Scripture had indicated would happen. Now as we consider that the world hates Jesus because Jesus reveals his Father, that should humble us. Because we are susceptible to being like the world when we give way to our flesh or when we allow our minds to be influenced by philosophies of the world. The devil is the father of lies and the world system propagates all sorts of lies that are opposed to God's truth. You may not even realize how much pressures of the culture and media and various messaging has affected your thinking. Do you ever bristle against something God's Word says that challenges how you've been thinking about something? Do you ever bristle against the correction that God's Word brings to you? When God's light shines through His Word and exposes some of the indwelling sin that remains in you, we do so without excuse, without cause, without justification. We need to learn to love the light and to hate our sin. That is the proper response. We need to pray that God would help us to have a teachable spirit, that we would receive the word in meekness with a submissive attitude, as James 1 speaks of. We must never sit in judgment over the light and truth that God has revealed in his word Who are we to treat the words of the living God that way? They are always right. And any time we bristle against it, the issue is with us. As Paul says in Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul wouldn't have said this if it wasn't a threat to these believers in the church in Rome. Our minds are renewed as the Spirit works using the Word. That's where you learn God's will. It's where you learn to discern where you've allowed worldly philosophies to influence your thinking so you can see it and have your mind renewed about whatever it is you've, you've embraced from the world The Jewish religious leaders hated Jesus because Jesus revealed his father 
They thought they knew God, but they were of their father, the devil. And the devil is the God of the wicked world system that continues to hate Jesus and to hate his father to this day. And we must be careful to, to keep ourselves unstained by the world as we minister in the world that hates Jesus, hates his father. Now, after delivering some heavy news to the disciples, this is heavy news. There's been a lot of heavy news for them in this farewell discourse. And here, here we have more, that they are going to be hated by the world. As he speaks to them about this, he once again comforts them and encourages them by telling them that they will not be without divine help. A third truth Coming back to John 15, that the disciples needed to understand about ministering in a world that hates Jesus is that the Spirit helps the disciples of Jesus testify of Jesus to the world. Verses 26 and 27. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus had already spoken twice back in the upper room about the helper that was coming, and he reminds them now again of the helper, the spirit of truth, the one who proceeds from the Father. And this time notice that Jesus says he will send the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you. In John 14, 16, Jesus had said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. And in John 14, 26, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. But now Jesus says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you. So did the Father send the Spirit? Or did the Son send the Spirit? Yes. (laughs) The Father sent the Spirit. The Son sent the Spirit. The Father and the Son sent the Spirit. Those are all true statements. As we saw in John 14, and again we behold here, one God who subsists as three persons, each person possessing the fullness of the divine nature. Three persons who are distinct, yet inseparable. Anytime you see the word parts used in reference to God, that should set off an alarm for you. Because He is one undivided essence. He is one being who subsists as three persons. And what a blessing it is for us to know that the Trinity will drive the witness of Jesus in the world. So what we see here, and in Acts 1, 8, Jesus told the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. First, the Spirit that the Father and the Son will send will come, and then they will be empowered to be Jesus' witnesses. They will witness in the power of the Spirit. And they, in particular, will be his eyewitnesses. The eleven will be his eyewitnesses. In verse 27, 
says, you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. In John's first letter that he writes later, in the very beginning of it, he says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. They were eyewitnesses. And and the Spirit would enable these eyewitnesses to speak of what they had handled, speak of what they'd seen, speak of what they'd heard firsthand. And the Spirit of truth would eventually move some of these men and their ministry associates to write down their eyewitness accounts to deliver what we have today in our New Testament, in the Word of God. The apostles proclaimed the gospel beginning in Jerusalem and going out into Judea and Samaria with a trajectory out toward the remotest parts of the earth. And we are part of that rest of the world that the gospel was going out to and has come to. And we are continuing the work of making disciples. We know we will be hated by the world, but we also know we will be helped by the Spirit of truth. And we know Jesus indicated that some would receive and keep the word. The question is, Are we bearing witness? Are we focused on our mission at home, at work, in our community? Jesus provides the resources we need. The spirit of truth has come to bear witness. He's given us the scriptures. He empowers Jesus' witnesses. And there is an invitation to us to ask and receive from God, fruit that remains. As we see our world imploding on itself due to its rejection of God, as we see the devil's lies running rampant, the image of God being defaced and mutilated in all sorts of ways, people rebelling against God's design, we have the message that cuts through the devil's lies. We have the words of life to proclaim in a culture of death. We have the message of life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Only the gospel can transform a hater of God into a lover of God. Only the gospel can change your heart from loving your sin to hating your sin. As we experience the world's hatred in response to Christ's light in our lives. We must not return evil for evil. We must not hate them. We must love them with the gospel. We must tell them the truth that they need and show them love in that way. Are you proclaiming the good news, saints? Perhaps you've gotten close to proclaiming to someone, but you haven't actually 
taking that step to tell them about Jesus. I want to encourage you to take that next step. Speak the glorious gospel of Christ. For some of you, that question, have you been proclaiming the good news, might actually press into an even deeper question. Do you yourself actually believe that gospel? Have you been born of the Spirit? Do you have a new heart? Is Christ your greatest treasure? Have you been given heavenly affections? Do you have a testimony of God making you a new creature through the gospel? If not, I would urge you to cry out to God to have mercy on you. Understand the severity of your sin, that it took the death of God's Holy Son to pay for it. Believe that Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient to satisfy the eternal wrath of God that you deserve for your sins. And on that basis, seek his forgiveness for all your sins. Believe that he rose from the dead, showing his victory over sin and death for all who believe in him. Trust in the Savior today. He can make you new. He can give you life. You can be one of those he's taken out of the world. Jesus explained three truths to his disciples that they needed to understand about ministry in a world that hates Jesus. We need to know that the world hating us is not a sign that we're doing something wrong. We must not compromise on the truth to appeal to the world. Rather, being hated by the world is a reflection, is, is a picture that we're reflecting Jesus, the one that the world hated before it hated us. We need to know that the world hated Jesus because he revealed his Father. This is just one more confirmation that Jesus himself was God, the exact representation of his Father's nature. The world hated the light of the Father shining in in the incarnate Son. And that is because his light exposed the dark deeds of a world dead in sin and under the sway of Satan. But even in the face of a situation like this, we must understand that the Helper has come, the Spirit of Truth, to help us testify of Jesus in the world. We will be hated, but we will be helped. And so may we be praying for fruit that remains and praying for courage and for boldness to be faithful witnesses of our worthy Savior in a world that hates him and hates those who represent him. And let us step out in faith and proclaim that good news. That good news that someone was faithful to proclaim to us so that we might be saved. And may we do so with the profound encouragement of knowing that the triune God is accomplishing his plan of redemption that cannot be thwarted. The witness of the Spirit of Truth is in fact the witness that makes your witness effective. And He is at work. The plan is being carried out. Be encouraged by that. Ask for His help. And understand that the kingdom of light will prevail against the kingdom of darkness. And that Christ will receive and He will keep all that the Father has given to Him. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth given to us by the spirit of truth so that we may understand the things that are happening. You call us friends because you invite us in to understand your plans. And we thank you for explaining to us we will be hated by the world because the world hated Jesus first. Because Jesus revealed you, our Father. And we thank you that we have the great hope that though we face a, a heavy situation like that, you called us to be your witnesses. You've given us the resources that we need. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Help us to meet the hatred of the world with the love of the gospel. Help us to be bold and courageous and to speak to people the truth that they need. And we are so grateful and excited for your perfect plans, your plan of redemption, that you will gather in all you call, and you will keep everyone. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.